I have no idea what episode number this is. Does anybody know what episode number this is? August 2nd. Mm, that's not an episode number. It is a number. It is a number. 353. That's not correct. I, oh. you, know what, you know what I appreciate most oh. about you two is your willingness to provide me with helpful information. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 40 of the Football Absurdity Podcast. My name is Jeff Crisco, and I'm here, as always, with my co-hosts, Mike Valverde and Evan Hoovler. Um, Evan, you are very amped up right now. How are you doing other than that? I'm doing great. I just chugged a beer. Listen to how much beer I drink. That, that's my stomach. I'm shaking it. <laughs> All right. I didn't know we had a mic inside Evan's Evan's stomach, but all right. Um, uh, Mike, uh, do we have any um, microphones in any orifices for you? Well, hold on. I, I need to like sort of dig it out. I got in an argument with my wife yesterday. Yeah, you know, you're gonna do some. Fo- <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know this was a podcast with foley work. That, that was nice. Um, so this is the Football Absurdity Podcast, a podcast from footballabsurdity.com. If you've heard of us, chances are you heard of us from Beer Sheets. Uh, it is a fully customizable uh, fantasy football cheat sheet uh, that's dedicated for your league, and it automatically updates every time you uh, fill it out. If you want to get a beer sheet, just go to footballabsurdity.com. At the link up top, there is a uh, beer sheet request form link. And um, if you have some weird settings, give uh, give us some time because we run those in batches. So uh, it won't necessarily pop up right away, but what it'll give you is a link that you can come back to at any point um, once it's ready and it'll spit out a new um, cheat sheet with you when the values update. Uh, there's also an article up on the website that's how to use a beer sheet um, because there are a lot of numbers on the sheet and some of them are kind of confusing if you don't have a... Uh, a reference guide. So um, Kevin, who put beer sheets together, he did put together a nice reference guide. It's very thorough. It's very helpful um, to help you uh, with your drafts. Uh, if you want to support beer sheets, if you want to support us, if you want to support what we do, you can go to Patreon. Um, uh, you can search Football Absurdity, or you can go to footballabsurdity.com. Go to the top uh, right-hand corner, eh, more like center right, um, and there's a link that says support that'll take you to the Patreon. Uh, if you want to help us in another, another way, we do have an affiliate with uh, Playdraft.com. It's Playdraft.com slash absurdity, promo code absurdity. Uh, any deposit helps us out and gets you a $3 token um, for a free entry into a draft. Um, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, we're on Apple Podcasts. Anything that uses an RSS reader. Um, if you are having trouble finding an RSS feed, you can email me at footballabsurdityjeff at gmail.com and I'll get you the link to the RSS. We're also on Stitcher. Something is weird with Spotify and I cannot figure it out. We were at Spot- on Spotify at one point, but we're not right now. All right, now that we have all the plugs out of the way, let's start off uh, off the top with a little bit of uh, uh, news and notes here. Um, it was going to be Pick Your Poison, but guess who forgot to put down the players in the... Uh, uh, show notes, and that was me. So we're going to start off with a little news and notes while I get that put together. Um, it's the second week of NFL training camp, and um, the big news everywhere are still the the holdouts. You got Zeke still holding out. You have Mel- Melvin Gordon still holding out um, for the Cowboys and the Chargers, respectively. And um, today, yesterday, um, on uh, Thursday, uh, Jerry Jones said that Zeke's holdout could last months um, because they 
are playing hardball with him, which is kind of goes against what they usually do with, with their players. They usually get their guys played and they signed Alf off the street. So, um, uh, Evan, we'll start with you. Where do you think this is dropping you, um, dropping Zeke down the ranks for you, if at all? I'm seeing him now go for mid fifties as low as that in auctions, but I'm seeing him going for regular price in a lot of auctions and I'm with the regular price guy, Jerry, Jerry Jones said this week, I've never not signed one. Uh, that's not an exact quote, but it was in response to this. I, it was a little wink and a nod to the fact that, look, I got I got billions, and I understand what's going on here. The whole offense runs through him. So I, I haven't dropped him yet. Also, he's got two years left on his contract, so he wouldn't even be able to get, get traded next year. I haven't dropped him. Okay. Uh, so the fact that Jerry Jones said it, 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 you know, he's prepared to let it last month doesn't he said that too, because he also said, I've never had a guy not signed. And I'm like, whoa, usually owners just completely posture and say, I can go. Like earlier in the week, he said, I, we can win a Super Bowl without a running back. And then later he said, ah, I've never not signed one. So I took that to mean like he's seeing the error of the ways. Yeah, but after he said that, he said the thing that I just quoted about the um, the, that he could see it lasting months, but he probably got his uh, men in his ear telling him not to say that, not to fair, say, yeah. Fair enough. Um, uh, Mike, what do you think about uh, uh, Zeke's holdout? You know, I, I think you have to drop him a little bit just because, for insurance quality purposes. But I, I still have him in the first round. Uh, I, I wouldn't have him any less than maybe six or seven, but. I'm I'm not really overly worried about Elliot missing any games this year. With with six or seven, do you drop him behind DJ, or do you keep, uh, or do you drop, or do you bu- bump up your top two wide receivers? Yeah, I, I'd actually put him pretty much even with with uh, DJ. Uh, okay. I, I think I, I think that right now that that's pretty much. I'd still have Elliot right above him, but um, I, I I would still. Just do that just for quality insurance. So they're pretty much even, but I'd still take Elliott over Johnson. Okay. All right. And then so the the the, the biggest news, second biggest news, I guess, was would be that the world's most useless NFL game was played last night, the uh, Hall of Fame game. Um, I mean, the only things that could be taken out of this was Brian Hill seems to be doing better than Ito Smith against the same kind of competition. But honestly, who cares, right, guys? It's the Hall of Fame game. Who cares? It really speaks to your dismissal of ito smith as a quality deep reach like clearly ito smith is not a good football player he's he's getting burned in the preseason well i mean he yeah he's i mean yeah he's supposed to he's ostensibly their backup running back and he well he got three carries so i i I think him coming in in the hall of fame game doesn't speak well but maybe this is all good for devonta freeman i mean if everybody behind him sucks they can't really do the same uh thunder and lightning thing they did with him and uh tevin coleman so, um, so well, there is just there to is, show you about Edo Smith in my dynasty league. I just traded for him. Uh, I gave up my third round next year Debbie selection. So, so you trade you tra- you gave him up. Wait, say that you traded for him for a third round Debbie selection. Right. So I got Edo Smith, and then I traded my third round Debbie selection for next year. So you traded him for a high school junior, <laughs> is what you're saying? Uh, yeah, or yeah, or pretty much. You got ripped <laughs> off. Yeah, it, it's it's that bad. Where yeah, the, these uh, Debbie selection 
third round Debbie selection basically equates uh, pretty much no value. Yeah, that's uh, woo, third round uh, a guy that's in high school right now. So that's that's pretty crazy. Uh, it says a lot about uh, Ito. Um, a guy that I pumped up earlier, but now the more I see him, the more I think about him, the the less I like him. And then uh, the other bit of news from the Hall of Fame game is that Drew Locke is really bad, <laughs> and his head coach won't stop telling everybody that asks about how bad he is. Uh, Vic Fangio said, hey, it was, you know, it was pretty much what we expected to happen. Um, you know, I wish it was better, but it's not, and that's that's what we're dealing with. It was pretty much the gist of his, uh, his uh, reaction to... Um, uh, Drew, watching Drew Locke play, so <laughs> so that was pretty funny. I'm glad uh, Joe Flacco being in seems better for fantasy. Well, Joe Flacco, I mean, I can't he, believe I just said those words, but well, I mean, Joe Flacco was good for John Brown last year more than than Lamar Jackson. I mean, he supported. I mean, he, in the past, he supported two top twenty four wide receivers with Anquan and Torrey Smith. So I mean, it could be worse. It really could be worse. He does have, he does, I mean, he's a quality NFL quarterback. I mean, he is elite, uh, capital E elite. Uh, he's he's won a, a, a Super Bowl to prove it. He's got the ring. Uh, bad quarterbacks don't win Super Bowls, right, guys? Yep. Yep. All right. So moving on to that. Well, is, quarterbacks from Baltimore definitely don't win Super Bowls. Exactly. They never get dragged kicking and screaming to titles th- despite their best effort. Um, and definitely Peyton Manning didn't. That didn't happen to him in Denver too. And and uh, yeah, wow. def- the parallels are eerie. Well, yeah. look at Doug Williams. Doug Williams was splitting time with a scab. There, yeah, there you go. Um, I'm gonna pretend like I know who that is because I'm not that old. <laughs> 86 Redskins millennial. <laughs> Anything before the 49ers '94 champ uh, Super Bowl, I have very little memory of because I was eight years old at that point. <laughs> My and, first memories are of the Niners, uh, 91 Super Bowl Cause I'm from the area. So yeah, nice. I, yeah, I, I, I knew that I wasn't supposed to like the Raiders because here, here's a story for you, Evan. Cause, uh, my mom was a waitress that worked near the Coliseum and Raiders players would come in and they were huge jerks to her. And then she worked at another place where Raiders players came in and they're huge jerks. So she raised me. She said, you can root for any team you want except for the Raiders. That's fair. Don't freaking be rude to service staff. Come on, people. So, so that's that's so I grew up a 49ers fan, like tangentially, just because I, you know, I had to say, hey, I like this team. So I that's was a 49ers. Best reason I've heard in a while, honestly. Yeah. So that was why I was a Niners fan, and then I knew Super Bowl parties were a thing, and I knew they were in the Super Bowl. So I was eight years old, and I had a Super Bowl party with me and my mom. So I'd like to correct it. The '88 Super Bowl was my first memories of football. I, did, I, I otherwise I'm saying I was 13 years old when my first football memories came around. Let's see, uh, that was what uh, late January, early February 1988. So I was almost two years old at that point. <laughs> were you at the game? Were you? Oh in? yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, my my uncle was. My uncle has been to every 49ers Super Bowl except for the one they lost. So, um, well, so, speaking of Raiders, Jim Plunkett was a backup when he took the Raiders to winning the Super Bowl. That's right. Was, nice. In what 1862? <laughs> no. Is that pre pre Civil War? Because it might oh. as well be. All right. So some great wide receiver news. Michael Thomas got paid. Um, and Julio Jones, the Falcons said, "Hey, we'll pay Julio Jones. We'll make him the highest." P- paid player ever not really fantasy relevant um but uh two guys that aren't going to hold out which freaking finally that's uh it feels like this year's draft uh or this year's fantasy leagues are going to be defined by who who 
who does and doesn't hold out and we have literally no way of definitively knowing right now which is fun it's it's fun for uh that to to happen and that's definitely not sarcasm that i'm saying it's definitely not super frustrating to have to worry about multiple players holding out so from great wide receiver news to marginal wide receiver news uh damian danny amandola has a nice rapport with matt stafford in detroit matt collins in philly has a lower body injury and hunter renfro has quote a legitimate shot and number three duties with oakland do we care about any of these gentlemen yeah, I like Hunter Renfro uh, quite a bit. Uh, redraft, maybe not so much, but Dynasty, I, I think this guy has has some legs under him. Look at this guy being optimistic that Renfro will get traded from the Raiders at some point in his career. <laughs> uh, so what I'm confused about is why the Padres outfielder is uh, getting reps um, for, for the Raiders. Anybody? Hunter Renfro? I'm not. I've seen the Raiders. I, I, if you could be not sarcastic with that, and I still would take it at face value. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Jarek McKinnon for the 49ers running back, he's, stay, he's staying on the pup until at least next week, until after their first preseason game. So this, I've been thinking. I've been thinking. I, I've said on this podcast before, and, and this is something I want to talk about with you guys, that I was going to take whoever was the cheapest between Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon, and Matt Breida. And at that point, it was Matt Breida. And then I started to think, why am I? Why is my game plan to take a guy who is clearly going to, or who is going to be the change of pace guy at best and is a backup? I'm basically saying, oh, I'm going to take the Austin Eckler of this backfield when I could have the number one uh, running back for a team that just is one of the most efficient running teams in the NFL last season and is going to get the bulk of the carries. So I, this is me officially changing my mind to saying that I'm in on Tevin Coleman and it kind of sucks that I've had uh, several important drafts where I didn't end up with Tevin Coleman. And um, I think I'm in on Tevin Coleman this time. Um, he's produced with Shanahan before he kind of had a rough year last year, which wasn't nearly as bad as people thought it was. And uh, the 49ers could turn uh, me into a quality running back. So this is me officially changing my position. I am in on uh, Tevin Coleman. What do you guys think about this uh, Jared McKinnon news and what it means for that backfield? Mike, go. Uh, you know, I think it narrows down the field a little bit, uh, especially starting off the season. But I, I'm not going to waver off off a running back rotation with the 49ers i it's just going to be a running back by committee all year and when when and if mckinnon is healthy then he'll get his shot so i don't i don't see it deviating too much from that so i i i don't quite understand the 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 answer i I mean We've seen Kyle Shanahan run a split backfield that has produced two top 24 running backs in it before. So are you the, the, are, are you more in on Breda now that McKinnon's on the pup? Are you out? Are you in on Tevin Coleman now that McKinnon's going to, you know, that he's coming into the, the thing banged up? Um, I, I just didn't quite understand the, the answer to the question. I, I guess what I'm saying is that let's just say uh, McKinnon's out four games to start the season. Okay, so you have Breda and you have Tevin Coleman. Those two are going to split carries. Okay, so when... Why? What makes you say they're going to split carries? Because I... I, I Breed is having a great camp. 
Smith, uh, Telvin Smith is having a great camp. So why why am I why are they not going to split carries? I mean, I don't I don't see any anybody that's not playing good enough to where okay you're the starter and you're going to sit on the bench when both players can do adequately well. It, it, and plus the whole reason why running back committee was invented in the first place was to keep these running backs healthy. So I don't see I don't see where where there's a disparity in difference of talent to not employ a running back by committee. And before then, before and this is and this is to your point, Mike. And uh, it's only a few weeks sample, but before Tevin Coleman got his uh, broken bone in uh, uh, 2016, it was about a 50-50 carry split between him and Freeman. Just coming in with some stats. Didn't mean to derail you. No, no, you're you're fine, and that that's pretty much what I'm talking about. Is is exactly that that Coleman and Brita or Coleman and McKinnon or Coleman McKinnon and Brita. Uh, there, I, I just don't see where one of these players will have to sit because they all bring a dimension to the game. Well, I mean. Uh... There was reports out of uh, 49ers camp. Uh, Matt Mayoko, who's pretty much the guy for the 49ers, thinks that one of those three, they're going to carry all three on the 53, but one of them is going to be a healthy scratch because of the redundancies. My worry is that it's Breda, because I think Breda is going to be the backup to both Tevin Coleman and Jarek McKinnon. Well, so that, that's, is that's that based where on I'm money? Is that based on money or talent? That's based on the fact that Matt Breda is the most fragile player in the history of the NFL. But that is he dude, any more fragile than Jarek McKinnon? Yeah, dude. He, Do you know how many games he didn't finish last year? Because the answer is the number of games that he played. He left so many games last year because he could not stay on the field and he was getting banged up. And he was he was going out for two, two drives here or three drives there. So it doesn't show up in the games missed thing, but he is extremely fragile. And so I think that they can keep him on ice as a breaking case of emergency thing over Jarek McKinnon. So you're you're basically saying that Mc, uh, Coleman is going to start the season, and then okay, what about McKinnon? Let's just say you're right. Let's just say Breda doesn't have any chance in heck in in, in this because he gets injured. I mean, I I don't think that that's that's going through a coach's mind, but. Um, if that's the case, then what are you? Where's McKinnon going to come in? What McKinnon is 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 injury prone as much as Breda is. He's a change of pace back, the same thing he was in Minnesota when he was good. So then, there, then it's a split carry. Then it's a running back by committee. No, having a change of pace back doesn't make it. Okay, there's a. What split are you talking about here? You're talking 70-30, 60-40, 50-50? I'm talking 50-50, pretty close. Uh, See, that's uh, that's 60, where you're. 60-40 maybe, that's, but that's, definitely that's, 50, 50 Mike, that's where you're wrong. That's so I mean, you're, all you're the reports me out of 49ers camp are that all the reports out of 49ers camp are that Tevin Coleman is going to be the lead runner, and that one of the three is going to be scratched, which means it's going to be Jarek McKinnon or Matt Breida is going to be scratched. You you don't go from hey this guy might not be active on game day to hey this guy's going to handle 50% of the load. He's going to be a passing downs back, and he's going to, um, you know, get maybe six to eight carries a game. That's and that's that's what all the reports are saying. Who who is Tevin Coleman? No, Jerick McKinnon. 
there is no way that Jaron McKinnon is going to be getting those carries. Six to eight carries? Well, he'll get six to eight carries, yeah. But that's why I asked you. Coleman, so you're saying Coleman is the, the primary ball carry. He's going to be a bell cow. No, Mike. There's a lot of difference between saying he's going to be the lead back and he's going to be a bell cow. Bell cow, you're talking getting 90% of the carries or 80% of the carries. Okay, but what, what, is your, what are you saying is per, percentage? I'm for? saying, okay, so if Tevin Coleman gets 15 carries a game and uh-huh. say five targets a game, and uh-huh. Jarek McKinnon gets eight carries a game and say five targets a game, one of them is definitively the lead back because he's getting okay. two thirds of the work compared to the other guy who's getting one third of the work. That's what I'm saying. Okay. There's All there's right. a, there's a wide gulf between a 50-50 split and a bell cow back, and 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 that's where Tevin Kevin Coleman's going to be. That's okay, from, so from all the ratio. Of, that's from all the reports out of 49ers camp. Okay. In 2017, uh, Devonta Freeman had. 196 carries and played in 14 games. Uh, Tevin Coleman only started three games and had 156 carries. It makes me think that the uh, preseason is what's going to determine this for uh, Shanahan. If there's a if there's a back that clearly emerges the hot hand, he's going to feed him like he did in 2016 when Devonta Freeman got over twice the carries of Tevin Coleman. But if they're each getting around 4. Oh, to 4.5 yards per carry, like they both did in 2016. He might, he might spread it around. Might, maybe not 50-50, but, but he, he might I think it's going to be more 15-12 than it is going to be 15-8. I'll tell you that. All oh, right. Great. Well, disagreement makes for great radio. So I love yeah, it. Yeah. This, this is. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. Um, so, uh, all right. So um, now that we've moved on from. Arguing about the 49ers and Jerick McKinnon yet again. Um, the Broncos signed Theo Riddick. To this, I say, see you, Devontae Booker. I think you are toast. And um, there's, we had a discussion about Theo Riddick last time, and, and um, we didn't have some definite numbers about how much he was used. I didn't realize how much is, that he was used. He um, has the number two most targets to a running back over the last four seasons, the most receptions, and the third most receiving yards. Um, receptions and receiving yards, he's behind James White. And uh, behind receiving yards, he's behind Duke Johnson, who's number one. Um, so they've mentioned wanting to split the backfield there in um, Denver. So does this kind of – do you guys see this as bad news for Philip Lindsay? It's really bad news for Devonta Booker. But, Evan, what do you see this being meaning for Philip Lindsay? Philip Lindsay has already uh, been seeing – at least people who are doing fantasy have been seeing whether or not they're writing on the wall for Philip Lindsay for a while with the Royce Freeman coming back. So – yeah, it hurts him, but it doesn't hurt him too much because already people were hedging their bets. He's going for uh, uh, around fifteen to twenty dollars in the uh, in uh, auctions that I'm in, and uh, I had him at the start of the preseason, or sorry, this, I had him at the start of July for forty-one dollars, and now I have him for about twenty-five dollars. So I can't knock him down that much more just because they signed Theo Riddick, but it's definitely not Jesus. a good thing. Is he your biggest follower that you can think of? Not due to injury. Just going through my list. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't believe the hype. I thought, ha-ha, people are stupid. But I'm like, ah, if people are going low on a guy who was top 12 back last year, there there's a reason. They don't just randomly turn on people statistically. 
you're saying that the fantasy football community isn't capricious and uh, tribe-like because <laughs> fair enough. That That's certainly fair sounds fair. like the fantasy football community I know. As sounds evidence, like me actually right now too. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> as evidenced by any time I mention Damian Williams on Twitter, I get a new random person yelling at me in my mentions. Um, uh, so speaking of Damian Williams, we've got a hamstring roundup. Uh, these three guys um, were poised to be fantasy football. Uh, assets um, this year, and they're all on the shelf with hamstrings right now. Damian Williams, Aaron Jones, Paris Campbell. Uh, Mike, you're the you're the Colts guy. What what do you what have you been hearing about Paris Campbell? Paris Campbell's doing great. He's he's pretty much I think I think anybody that paid attention to uh, Ohio State game like Evan and watched Woo-hoo. him play, he he's pretty much doing the same dominance as he did uh, in college so they're 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 totally excited about him uh, i think that you're going to see him move around a lot he's playing different sides of the field slot outside inside wherever they need him uh I, it's hard to say okay well you're you're the next tyree kill or you're tyree kill or whatever but i definitely think that you can start incorporating that kind of skill set with Paris Campbell. Yeah, speaking of Ohio State, uh, from watching every game of theirs, uh, he's best when the quarterback extends the play. And he did not have a mobile quarterback in uh, Haskins. Haskins was eerily good at reading the pocket and staying in it when he needed to. So often he would have five to eight seconds to throw the ball. Uh, and when he would, he would throw it and then you'd he, Paris Campbell would catch it, and you would think, how is the slot receiver that wide open? I did not see any of his route because that's how TV coverage is. Now that he has a quarterback that can use his feet to extend the play, I, I'm liking him as a late flyer. Uh, what do you um, think, Jeff? Well, my question was because he hasn't practiced since the 27th with an injured hamstring. I, that, I, that's my, that's my why love, I brought him up. My love sees no hamstring injuries. It doesn't concern you guys that... Um, he it looks that he's right now that, you know he's he's falling behind in camp. It doesn't concern you guys. I love him. He is my boyfriend. Not this early. No. I love my wife even if she has a hamstring injury. Okay. Um. So, uh, Aaron Jones is on the shelf, but um, same deal. Uh, Jamal Williams is also hurt. Um, the winner right now is Dexter Williams, who's a rookie. Um, I would just say uh, maybe drop Aaron Jones back a little bit because this guy's always dinged up. I mean, you guys kind of agree with me on that or disagree? Or Aaron Jones has been going in the mid-30s, and I've had him at $28 for a while. I watched him last year, and for some reason, even when he's ripping the game open, and this might be Mike McCarthy, of course, but they just wouldn't give him, give him uh, uh, more than 65% of the carries, more than 60%. Actually, now that I'm looking at my stats, and that's weird. That can't be just one bad coach because the guy's ripping the game open. I, something's wrong with uh, Aaron Jones. I don't well, know. What I, do you think, Mike or Jeff? Go for it, Mike. About what? Aaron Jones. Godlike? If God you had know, a hamstring I, injury? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't. I, it's You know, these injuries are, are fickle and. It's kind of hard to say, okay, this early, what's going to happen, especially with someone like Aaron Jones that has been with the team for the last couple seasons. I think he got the playbook down, and 
you know, if it, if it lasts longer, if he's out and, and, you know, as he's getting near preseason, then, of course, not preseason, but regular season, then, of course, you're going to be more concerned about it. But at this point, I I would just uh, adjust the rankings slightly, but I'm not overly concerned about it. Okay. And then how do you guys feel about Damian Williams? Always was kind of a marginal talent. Never had more than 50 carries in a season. Uh, people are deciding he's a second-round pick. Um, seems kind of crazy to me. Am I out here on a limb? Uh, you know, I don't think we've had an in-depth discussion about this Damian Williams situation in Kansas City. So what do you guys think's going on there since he has a hamstring injury? And it looks like they're kind of taking it week to week with him, which suggests it's, it's a little worse than, than um, the other guys. Yeah, with Damien, I the the main the main thing is he he's unknown. Uh, so people I think are are tentative to to really latch onto him as a player that you could say, okay, this guy is going to be like he was last season. Well, that's true, but I also think that the offense, the the schematics in the offense is is accessible for these type of players like Damian Williams to do well. So why, why won't he do well? There's really no reason for him to not do well now with the injury. Yeah, that, that could be something that, that, um, hinders him, but it's, it's nothing, any injury that is sort of touch and go at this point, I don't really put a lot of stock into, I'll move my rankings a little bit, but I I don't put any stock to it until it starts pushing towards towards the regular season and then once we get to the regular season around that time and it seems like these injuries are still affecting these players then that's really when my concern comes in okay you know what i think what's that evan i think carlos hyde's gonna rip off an 80 yard touchdown run out of the stadium run up to the family barbecue of sunday of you haters knock the corn out of your hand tip your Grill over, setting your lawn on fire, yell at your children, run back into the stadium to score two more touchdowns after halftime. And also that other uh, third string guy is pretty good in Kansas City, too. Darwin Thompson? Yeah, he's looking good. Yeah, I uh, I started off not a Darwin Thompson fan, but all these Devin, Damon Williams truthers in my mentions have me becoming a a uh, uh, a Darwin Thompson stan just to, just to spite them. <laughs> Uh, cause uh, here's, here's my, here's my take on it. And, 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 and this is what it is. Uh, Damian Williams, Mike, you called him an unknown. Uh, we do know what he is. He's a guy who's, who never got 15 carries in a per, per game in a season in college. He's a guy whose career high is 50 carries in. He's a guy who literally every single person he played with in Miami, except for, um, Isaiah Pede, a washed Arian Foster and Orleans Darkwa all had a better yards per carry than he did. We know who he is, and who he is is not good. The only question is is if the offense can overcome how not good Damian Williams is, which is definitely a possibility. But, you know, people are banking a, a foundational they're, – they're betting a foundational selection on Damian Williams, the player, not mucking up his situation in the offense. A guy who – you know, he had four, he, he's had three good games in five seasons. They all just happened to be at the back end of last season. And he didn't even beat, beat out Spencer Ware for the role. People say, oh, he, you know, Spencer Ware got benched. Spencer Ware tore his hamstring and was out for five weeks. They had to go sign Char West off the street. 
to, to replace him. So it's not like it was a phantom injury. I mean, it was, it was a bad injury that cost him a lot of time. So I just think maybe pump the brakes on Damian Williams a little bit. If you want to take him at the back end of the third, cool. That's fine. That's, that's proper caution. But, uh, you know, top of the second is really not, or a middle second is not really baking in his downside, in my opinion. If you're a Damian Williams truther, watch the tape. I watched watch. a bunch of his tape. It's him following his blockers. Uh, well, I might say he's patient, but that's not something that's elusive to running backs. He follows his blockers, runs up the field, gets a touchdown. There's not a lot of spectacular highlights or him evading tackles. Yeah, and his longest uh, play last year was a catch and run from uh, Pat Mahomes against the Chargers. Go ahead and watch it. Go ahead and watch it. When he caught the ball, there was nobody within seven yards of him. And he just kind of there. And there was nobody on that side of the field. So he pretty much just ran a straight line towards the sideline until somebody caught up with him. That that was his his uh, miraculous uh, long run last year. Um, so moving on from that, we have a couple of uh, uh, calf injuries. Um, Derek Henry. Last week when we were on the podcast, we had the breaking news that Derrick Henry was in the walking boot. I guess it turns out to be a calf injury. Um, Andrew Luck also has a calf injury. Um, I, I would have to say that the, these teams are going to be very cautious with these guys because of what happened to Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant turned a, uh, returning too soon from a calf injury into an Achilles tear and uh, being out for all of the 2019 uh, 20, 20 season. Um, yeah, 2019-2020 season in the NBA. So... They probably won't play in preseason, but what I'm saying is, is uh, I'm, I'll see if you guys agree with me, is what you thought about them beforehand, you should still think about them now. These are injuries that we have a very recent high-profile case of injury, uh, of catastrophic injury from coming back too soon from. So I think that the Titans and the, the Colts are going to be very careful with Henry and Luck in the preseason. So, uh, Evan, do you, do you, does that sound right to you? Yeah, I don't like to put a lot of stock. It sounds right to me. I don't like to put a lot of stock in calf injuries the first week or two of preseason because of the way the human body adjusts from being uh, dormant to extremely active. Derek Henry, you said last week, eh, it's a little more for concern because, you know, he uses his hamstrings to run. So I, I've seen him go down uh, about 5 to 10%, call it 2 or $3 in auctions. Uh, but Andrew Luck can can play without his, his cams or cams or half strings excuse me <laughs> cams or hamstring yes i think I we have an episode we have an episode. Or hamstring spoonerisms that's called yeah. a spoonerism isn't it anyway uh, uh so i'm not worried at all about andrew luck i i was on the fence about derrick henry because all of his production and it's biased it's biased uh uh this might be unfounded because all of his production was in practically four games at the end of last year. So I feel like I was looking for a reason to devalue him, and now I have it. But I wonder if I'm just cherry-picking information, and it's not actually valid. Because as you said, hamstring injuries in the preseason, who cares? Yeah, well, I think that, that more my point was that um, maybe taking a few bucks on Derrick Henry now, if you're a, Der if you're a Derrick Henry believer, is uh, – accepting the value that's handed to you because um you know i don't think derrick henry is going to play in the preseason um because of what happened to kevin durant i think the same thing with andrew luck because there was an the franchise had an entire lost season from rushing andrew luck back before so i think that them not playing in the preseason isn't a cause for concern and i think they'll both be there week one and whatever you thought about them before you should still think about them now mike what do you think about that uh-oh Oh, did Mike, are you there? 
I'll be Mike. Yeah, I'm really concerned about uh, uh, Derrick Henry, and I, I think he's undraftable because he's he's playing against the Colts twice a year. And he's like <laughs> actually my number one overall quarterback, and I'm keeping him in the zeroth round of most most keeper leagues. All right, back to you, Jeff. <laughs> Yeah, the you know the Warriors in that whole situation. It, I think if they weren't in the championship, and also we have to look at Kevin Durant and his his willingness to play. I, I don't think it was just one sided there, but yeah, I, I really think that those do any anybody that rushes to play, you, you really have to just calm them down. Talk to them about if that's what they want to do. They're adults. You know, you I, I don't know how much like responsibility the team has to this. I'm sure they they do a little bit. They have to be liable for a little bit of that. But when you're adult, you're an adult. So it, it's a dangerous situation. You really have to make sure that that player is fully healthy before you put them in a situation where they're, you know, a two week injury is now gone from two weeks to, to a seasonal injury. And that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that the, but the Colts and the Titans both are going to hold them out to prevent injury, re-injury like what happened with Kevin Durant. Right, um, exactly. Because, because Kevin Durant rushed back because the media in the Bay Area is trash and we're, uh, they know what he is mentally and and uh, they uh, went after him. So it's just lucky. They're just happy they have a winning team to cover. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. I'll tell you. <laughs> right there. Had, years. had past tense had a good team past tense to cover um all right boys football fans are you guys fantasy football fans yeah all right then i need you both to listen up to this read this amazing ad read that i'm about to do for playdraft.com um last week i screwed this up this week i will not so football fans do you want to join the biggest nfl season-long tournament ever of course you do. If you love fantasy football, and we know you do because you're listening to three jokers argue about it, um, and possibly the most contentious episode we've had yet, then you need to enter the $3.5 million best ball championship on draft. That's right, $3.5 million. Real money. So here's how best ball works if you've never played it before. And this is actually something I'm starting to dabble with. Um, I haven't really played a lot of best ball in the, ba- in the past. So what you do is it's a season-long league but with no management you just set it and forget it um you know some people call it fire and forget um what you do is once you're done drafting that's it no trades no waiver wires and you don't even set your lineup every week your best players automatically get started for you by who scored the most so um you know this maybe you want to reach for a guy like uh, deshaun jackson who's going to have some boom weeks or justice hill who you know he could win you a week there in baltimore because he could rip off a 65 yard touchdown run on any week but you don't want to try to figure out what week that's going to be. You want to just be able to just have that happen for you. And if you want to try this type of league, there's no better place to play. And you can draft a team anytime you want on draft.com. Leagues start every couple of minutes. You literally just go in, you pick um, the size of league you want, how much money you want to wager and draft um, puts, puts together a league for you. And what's cool with it too is, uh, and this isn't on the read, um, the, if you do it on the app, you get notifications when you're ready for it so or when it's ready for you. So 
if you are just going about your daily life, you get a little pop-up notification there, you know, next to your, you know, your Instagram DMs and your, 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 uh, you know, Tinder matches, you go, Hey, it's uh, it's time to load up your draft lobby and you just load it up, go straight into your draft. You can pick your guy and move on with your day. It's great. It's easy. And, uh, it's quick and, and it's a, it's a great interface. So for this $3.5 million contest, you see how easy it is. You just do a draft. You could be a millionaire 16 weeks later. Um, so you can join me and I know Evan signed up. I don't know if Mike has, uh, you can join us on playdraft.com. You can download the app anytime, search draft in the app or play store and join a game in just a few minutes. Um, if you want to do it on your computer, it's draft.com or playdraft.com. Um, right now, um, if you use the promo code absurdity, you'll get a free $3 entry with deposit. That's on us. That's, uh, you put some money in and you, $3, you can go play for free. Um, that's a real money game for free with promo code absurdity on your first deposit. Just search draft in the app store or go to playdraft.com and come play for free with promo code absurdity. So, all right, gentlemen, now that that's out of the way, uh, now that we've got the money just pouring over us, uh, let's switch our focus to wide receivers. And what we'll go ahead and do is we'll start with a little bit of a, of a pick your poison here for, um, for wide receivers. These are um, what I chose today were fifth round wide receivers by ADP. And we're going to see which one of these guys you would prefer. Um, I dumped out the uh, most likely answer because uh, his ADP doesn't make sense. And that's Tyler Boyd. Um, his ADP is going to go up now that AJ Green's foot doesn't work. And um, so we're, what we're looking at here, and you guys might want to take this down, um, your poison this week. Uh, you have to pick which one you would like is uh, Mike Williams, um, the one that's still playing in the NFL, not one of the two retired Mike Williams. Uh, DJ Moore in Carolina, Jarvis Landry in Cleveland, or Alshon Jeffrey in Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, whichever one of you guys wants to buzz in and, and choose to go first, I'll let you guys go. I won't put you on the spot. Again, you're, yeah, <laughs> I was you, done. When you said Mike Williams, I was done. You were done. You were spent. Yeah. Uh, let me the go one over with the quarterback that he's had that's been there for 15 years that seemed to love him at the last eight weeks of last year. The one that's uh, got had his competition move to Oakland to play streams go to die. So let me put that another way. What Evan just said is give me the number two wide receiver over the number one wide receiver in, say, uh, Alshon Jeffrey or DJ Moore. Is that what you're saying, Evan? Yeah. Uh, didn't Philadelphia just sign a really hot, deep ball receiver, perhaps the hottest of all time? But and Carson Wentz is hot and cold. We don't know what's up with him. DJ Moore I like, too, as a sleeper. But ah, Cam Newton might be – his arm might just be a – a swivel pin with a rubber band attached to it. We don't know. Ooh, buddy, have you seen his? Have you seen his his throws in in training camp? He would he would take serious offense to you uh, doubting his shoulder strength right now. Oh, is the new technique working? Yeah, his new That's technique. Well, is, I'm glad I'm glad to yeah. be wrong about that. That's good for fantasy. Yeah, his new technique is killer. Um, it's uh, he really uses his his uh, his uh, his lower legs more to to really wind up into it. It's it looks a lot better. And he's connecting it in practice a lot more. Uh, so your guy what is... What you're saying is he's looking, he's looking almost Philip Rivers-ish. Have you seen Philip Rivers throw? <laughs> seen him throw to Mike Williams. Oh, dude, dude throws like a freaking weirdo. Um, anyway, so your choice is Mike Williams. Mike, is your, na your choice your namesake as well? No, it, actually it isn't. I, I am sort of tilting that way, though. 
he's not my pick, but it, it's hard to say, especially with Melvin Gordon's status the way it is. If that continues, which it looks like it's going to, I can see the Chargers starting to pass a lot more. If that's the case, then Mike Williams definitely gets that boost. But the way their offense has been built, especially over the last few years with Melvin Gordon being sort of that key key structure, then it's really only been one wide receiver, and that's Keenan Allen. So as long as Melvin Gordon is on the Chargers, then I'm going to say stay away from a little bit. But so my pick is DJ Moore, and he's he's looking great. He's got positive reviews in camp. Uh, just playing awesome. His numbers last year weren't, you know, super. Uh, 55 receptions for 788 yards and two touchdowns. But as the year went on, his progression went on as well. And I really like him. I I, th- I think that uh, with with Christian McCaffrey there and Cam Newton looking like he, as you guys were saying, uh, a great his his arm is fine. I I think that they're going to really need a wide receiver to sort of even out the playing field. And that wide receiver is going to be uh, DJ Moore. I like them both. All right. My choice is Jarvis. No, I'm just kidding. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> no Jarvis Landry is probably the worst of those four picks. Um, my choice would be uh, Mike Williams as well. Um, out of those four guys, I have him ranked the highest. I have him as wide receiver 26 um right now so um with alshon at at 33 um and i can't even find uh jarvis landry i don't think he's doing a whole heck of a lot this year um so jarvis landry has the unique situation of getting worse when his qb got better you know he he was great for those horrible miami quarterbacks who would just dump it to him three yards over the center but then once and and his first game with uh with uh, that quarterback from Buffalo, I don't remember his name, uh, he had 15 targets. Uh, and then Baker Mayfield came in. Baker Mayfield's like, no, I, I am a real quarterback, and I will I will throw it to the guy that's designed in the play or my secondary receiver. It's it's shocking to me, but but understandable that his quarterback got better and he somehow got worse. Yeah, and uh, that is, uh, I will thank you to not besmirch the good name of Tyrod Taylor. Uh, Tyrod the Ty God who I don't even know where he is this year Um, well uh, I think at Cleveland too a lot of that has to do with volume and now that that Beckham is there that that's going to really affect him in Miami he was really the only weapon that they had so Mm -hmm. he was targeted quite a bit and as we saw him moving even over to Cleveland where there was more than just one target in Ajoku and others uh, that 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 volume went increasingly down and i think now with beckham of course that you're going to even see less less of that uh i i honestly don't think you're going to see him catch more than 60 to 65 passes this year yeah um that that was yeah what i was thinking too because last year i mean there's Najoku, there's um well if he stays on the team duke johnson to get targets there's uh odell beckham there's antonio callaway there's when he comes back kareem hunt and Jarvis Landry's best talent is is being the only guy on the team who can catch a football, which um, really does not apply here to uh, to the Browns. So I think that he's going to disappoint a lot of people at um, wide receiver 30. I mean, he'll have a week at some point where he gets like 12 catches um, when uh, um, Odell Beckham does his, his uh, requisite, you know, 
two game DLC or two game on the shelf stint that he does every year. But yeah, it, he's going to disappoint a lot of people. So, so that's uh that's pick your poison for fifth round wide receivers. Um, it's uh, Mike Williams, Mike Williams, and DJ Moore were the choices. So from that, we're going to go ahead and move, move on to same thing that we've done with the the wide. Um, sorry, same thing we've done with the running backs, and same thing that we've done with the quarterbacks already in our last two episodes. And that is talk general strategy for wide receivers. And um, we're going to talk about our. We're going to do it in a little different order. We're going to talk top fives first, then a sleeper, then a bust. Um, so um, we'll start with uh, Evan. You're the auction guy, so you know you're not going to be talking rounds. So, uh, what's your wide receiver strategy, um, and how does it play into the barbecue strategy? This um, is a beautiful year. Oh, sorry about that. What do you got? Now available on football. Awesome! I just can't oh. wait to step on you because I'm so excited mm-hmm. about wide receiver strategy <laughs> auction this year. Uh, wide receiver strategy and auction this year is unique compared to uh, uh, snake drafts because. Wide receiver 14 through, say, 31st is very narrow. And so a lot of people are putting in their, a lot of people who put out auction rankings just put in their uh, projections to a formula and go and post it as that. And uh, that doesn't work because, uh, that doesn't work because uh, the, uh, there's always going to be a wide receiver too who's going to sink to the five to ten dollar range. Uh, so let me just tell you some of these people here: uh, Tyler Lockett and Dante Pettis. Jeff, who do you like better? I like my boy Dante, of course. Pettis is ranked 1780p below Tyler Lockett, and I like him better too. That's the kind of thing where you can just wait because one of those guys in between those two or one of those two is going to go for five to ten. And that's the barbecue strategy. The barbecue strategy gets your high end players, your high end meats, you get your good side, your good wide receiver or running back, too. And then when it comes to the other sides and the napkins and the other stuff people don't care about, you go for the bargain bin. So my strategy is definitely to get a wide receiver one. I like the top six or seven guys, depending upon where you have Beckham versus Schuster, and then just wait for one or two of those top 30 guys with huge upside to go for five to 10. I've gotten Pettis for two twice in auctions. I've gotten Christian Kirk for $1 today. Uh, Tyler Boyd went for $6 the other day. It's, it's, it, if you wait on that wide receiver two, you can spend that extra 20 to $25 you would be spending on a wide receiver two if you went by projections on those top guys. I love it so much. So that I, I guess what it comes down to is, is tiering for you. You want to make sure, you know, you want to see one of those guys that, that stays in a tier um, that, that you're saying like a, a wide receiver two that goes for cheap. Tier is a great way to put it because it is a tier. But it's the opposite strategy of a normal tier. Normal tier, you don't want to be going for the last guy in your tier because someone else will have him as the last guy in their tier, and you'll 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 go up too high. With wide receivers, the twos, the more that go, the less people care about wide receiver twos, the less sexy they get. So if you wait till the end and no one's gone for a a, a deep deep bargain, somebody will. That demand is going to exhaust itself. That reminds me of a question I've been meaning to ask you. So. Um, for, so there's with the biggest possible, just, you know, whole can sized air quotes, conventional wisdom about auctions that 
you don't want to take the best or the last player in a tier because there's going to be a bidding war. For example, let's assume all things equal that Zeke Elliott reports that you don't want to be going after the fourth guy in McCaffrey, Kamara, Zeke, and Saquon because you're going to end up overpaying for him. You do like 600 auctions a day. Is that something that you found plays out or is that more, I hate to say it, but inexperienced with auction experts trying to weigh in on their thoughts? Definitely plays out like that, especially okay. in, well, in the higher tiers, the tier one and tier twos of wide receivers and mm -hmm. running backs. Definitely, because those are the ones that people want. Uh, I've seen, you take, uh, you take that ex great example you had of the top four running backs, um, McCaffrey, Kamara, Barkley, and Elliott. Uh, I've taken notes here of the 15 mock auctions I've done in the last three days. And the first one nominated has gone for an average of $4 less than the other four, no matter who it is. And it's usually one of the top two ranked guys, uh, Saquon oh, wow. or Ezekiel. Yeah, and it's gone for the least of all three of all four of them uh 11 of the 15 times so yeah the first one wow. is that market it's supply versus demand you know yeah. when the supply is great the demand is not that great but then when the supply goes down to one that's when people bid yeah so okay so my quibble with it has always been you know they say don't take the last guy in a tier because there'll be a, a bidding war over it i'm like doesn't everybody have it? So this is assuming everybody has the same tiers. That's that was my my quibble with it. You know, that's a great point, too. And with the top tiers, you're much more likely to have overlap. Like everyone's top tier of running back is those four. Uh, and uh, but everyone's tier of running back three could be very variable. And frankly, frankly, if you're using the barbecue strategy, you don't have to worry about that as much because you can overpay by five to ten dollars and just make it up in wide receiver two. Yep, that's part of the strategy. Uh, Mike, you still alive? It's been a while since we heard from you. Huh? What? Yeah, yeah. there he is. So what's your strategy in uh, in snake leagues, uh, snake draft leagues with the uh, wide receivers? I, I, I want to throw some grill going on, some hamburgers, and I, I'm, I'm hungry. Um, <laughs> Mike's like, this is my barbecue strategy. Yeah. A, little, a little brisket, need, <laughs> some coleslaw. <laughs> I need to eat. Um. Yeah, I, I think this year's is almost different than almost any other year, just based on the fact that we have all these normal every year type of number one running backs that go in the first round are all up in jeopardy. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, Jets, horrible offensive line, can't really trust him in the first round. Ezekiel Elliott, not on the field. Same with Melvin Gordon. So uh, you got to feel these slots in a way with with wide receivers there's only really one tight end that i can think of and that's travis kelsey but you're definitely not going to draft him over uh, johnson and hopkins and adams and so forth and so on so my my strategy is if you're picking past say the the six six plot spot not slot but that's what it's going to be called from now on, the splot. This um, episode is going to be called Splots, Cams, and Have Uh So, yeah, it's at, at the seventh splot, you're you're going to go wide receiver for sure, if not before that, uh, and just just get get the top three at least, and then you can decide on who that number four is. Is it Julio Jones? 
Tyreek Hill, uh, Mike Evans, uh, any of those guys that I have going on uh, is, well, especially with Julio Jones, who just um, is probably going to get paid like Buku Bucks now. Um, but anyways, I digress. It, it's uh, definitely a heavy, heavy field for wide receivers going into the first round where it normally wouldn't be. Yeah, um, I have noticed that. And what I've what I've also noticed, and this plays into my draft strategy this year, is because of the uncertainty with guys that you mentioned, like Le'Veon Bell and now Melvin Gordon and now Zeke, it's – remember guys back in the day where it was like the first round was just like 12 running backs, and then the second round was like six running backs, and then all the good running backs were gone? Now it's it feels like there's so much uncertainty – and because of the prevalence of things like zero RB, poking holes in running backs being um, uh, infallible, you know, running back fragility theory, it really feels like running backs and wide receivers are more interspersed in the first and second rounds. It really feels like, you know, you can justifiably take up to, you could justifiably take, uh, nobody would blink if at the number 12, uh, Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, um, Julio Jones, and Nuke were all gone. Like, conceivably, you could have four first-round um, wide receivers. And if you throw in Travis Kelsey, uh, that's five pass catchers. And so what I've started to do is is I like to call it, like, the 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 one five seven sort of strategy, where, while it's not exactly those rounds, it's, you know, I want to get a, a wide receiver with my first two picks, and then I want to get a wide receiver a few picks later, and then... I want to get another wide receiver a few picks later because what I found when I've been doing these mock drafts is that when I start to get to round five, round six, round seven, the running backs are really starting to dry up the ones that I actually want. But at the same time, I don't want to be stuck trying to figure out which two um, of my like five, you know, wide receivers I'm going to be starting every week. Um, I, I only want to play that, 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 that game with one of them. Um, so if I if I lock in a wide receiver in the first couple rounds and then I get another wide receiver um, a few rounds later, that gives me a good base to work with. And then I can start taking my shots on on guys um, later than that, because there's so much wide receiver talent that's getting pushed down. Like, it's crazy. Like we talked about, um, you know, DJ Moore could be a top 15 wide receiver and he's going as number 26. Mike Williams could be, a uh, you know, a top 20 wide receiver and he's going in the fit uh, at the end of the. I'm sorry, the beginning of the fifth round. But then you get into huge sleeper guys. Dante Pettis is going 84 overall. Christian Kirk is going 85. You can, I mean, you can keep going to guys like D.D. Westbrook at 104. Um, Curtis Samuel is 120. There's so much depth. Anthony Miller is at 150. And Anthony Miller led rookie wide receivers in touchdowns last year with one shoulder. There's so much freaking depth at wide receiver that I have a hard time uh, paying up at the top for uh, a lot of guys. Um, but I do want to start taking multiple shots at them later in the draft, which means I got to push my running backs up because I don't like the running backs going on that range, but I do like the wide receivers. So that's kind of my overall strategy with them. So I've stunned I them. I like the don't have to worry about running backs. Uh, I mean, wide receiver starts. I, uh, in the fishbowl, I picked uh, not the Scott fishbowl, but our separate fishbowl. I picked Marquez the, be- the Valdez, better fish, the good fish. No, uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling and Gr- Geronimo Allison. And I'm like, yeah, I'm so smart. I'm going to get the number two. And then after the draft, I was like, 
no, Aaron Rodgers is just going to pick whoever's open every week and throw to them. And I have no idea who to start. Well, luckily we start like 35 guys in the fishbowl. So you're going to be, you're going to be pressed into starting them both. But um, yeah, but uh, that's, that's kind of my strategy with wide receivers is it's, I don't want to have to play that rotational game with both of them. And, and I did the same sort of thing in the Scott fishbowl, speaking of fishbowls, where I wanted to come out in the first four rounds with one guy at each position because it's a little bit different because you're going to start uh, multiple quarterbacks, multiple tight ends, multiple wide receivers, and multiple running backs each week. So I took my strategy where I want to start with a – in my first three rounds, I want to have you know, two running backs and a wide receiver or two, two wide receivers and a running back, ideally depending on value and where I'm drafting. I took that and I was like, all right, I'm going to come out of the first four rounds with one of each position because um, – it the the settings push those players up and i felt so much better just taking the value that came to me the rest because if you wait and wait and wait on a position like if you do a zero rb or a zero wide receiver you're gonna get to a point where you go oh my god that was the last guy i was gonna be happy with getting and i didn't get him so rather than do that set up a nice foundation and then do your your hunting like evan said get Marcus Valdez Scantling and Geronimo Allison, because if you only start two wide receivers and say one of them gets hurt, well, guess what? There's your wide receiver too. Done. You don't have to worry about it. And you invested very little in them. Whereas if you wait and wait and wait and Marcus Valdez Scantling, you, you know, you're, you're playing that game with multiple uh, roster spots. Um, it can, it can cause some headaches where you're, you're, that's where it leads to, you go, Oh my God, I started the wrong guy again. These two guys were on my bench. I started these two guys. I was so stupid. And this kind of prevents that. So it's more of an overall roster strategy that plays out in my wide receiver strategies than anything else. So, all right guys, anything else about strategy? We kind of put that one a little bit to bed, call it a sleepy baby. Cause it is in bed. I have a question. No, uh, next up. Now- I've done some reading on on that the offense of Cliff Clingsbury, and it doesn't seem like he likes to go to the to the running backs all that often as far as passing the ball, which is a direct reflect on David Johnson. And I don't know that that can change. Of course, we don't really know what's going to happen as far as his different approach from college to pro. But with that in mind, if if David Johnson doesn't get the receptions that he normally can get. Is there a wide receiver that you would take over David Johnson? Oh, yeah. First of all, I would take Nuke. You stop disrespecting the name of the holy David Johnson. Uh, Second of all, I did my thing where I have an opinion and then cherry pick information about it. Yeah. It That's like called running, being a fantasy football analyst, baby. It looks like running backs played a key role in Washington State's air raid. Ha-ha. Um, yeah, they had uh, 131 yards in a, in a blowout and eight catches for 70. This is what we want. Eight catches for 77 yards and two, two receiving touchdowns. This is, of course, Washington State, not Cliff, not Kiff Clingsbury's. Yeah, office, I was going to say, you got the wrong I'm school there. I'm cherry picking. I told you. I was just that's, clear. I'm that's very cherry picked to the point where you went to different schools to, to cherry pick those statistics. That is extreme. That is probably the most cherry picking thing I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. You're like, those numbers may be wrong. But what if I told you about these numbers that have nothing to do with what we're talking about? I'm not disagreeing. <laughs> 
If you so, type an air raid running back in Google, though, the first thing is running backs play key role in blah, blah, blah. So, so Mike, to answer your question, I would take uh, DeAndre Hopkins over David Johnson if uh, that's what we're, you know, what the indications are going to be. Um, I mean, maybe Devontae Adams, depending on how risk averse you are. But I kind of think we saw David Johnson's floor last year and it was running back one. So, or a running back one. He was a, the number 10 on the year. So I kind of think that that's the, if you want that safety and security, I would, I would go with David Johnson, but you know, gun to my head, very weird and specific robbery. Um, you know, I, I'm going to shoot you if you don't, you know, pick DeAndre Hopkins over David Johnson, I would be okay with that. And not just because I wouldn't get shot in the head. That's the hook. What about too. Adams? Would you do that? Would you go Adams over? Adams is my number one, but I would still pick David Johnson. Uh, Probably not. I I mean, okay, in standard scoring, I would be okay with it. I just have DeAndre Hopkins just being far and away, you know, the 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 wide receiver one in, in both half PPR and PPR leagues that I would I would not, but in standard scoring I could I could see it. Um because he gets so many touchdowns um that it would make it worth your while. Yeah, that's the thing, really. I don't care if you're running Air raid West Coast offense or ground and pound, you're gonna get it to the best guy on your team. Yeah, that that's my my thing too. Is is there? You know, there's the saying. I'm sure you guys have heard the saying. There's no atheists in a foxhole. Um, I kind of think there's also no positional preference in a blitz. <laughs> you know, it's like whoever is open is getting that football. Um, so if that's David Johnson, that's David Johnson. And and uh, while he may not be schemed open, um, the the uh, Cardinals offensive line is a mess and Kyler might have no choice but to go with David Johnson. Uh, Cause to your point, Mike, yeah. Um, you know, there was a focus on wide receivers for uh, uh, captain uh, crunch or whatever his name is um, in college. And, um, but you know, Kyler may have no choice is, is I guess kind of my point. Yes. That's name is now captain Crunchberry from now Cap- on. Every <laughs> article. Captain Crunchberry. Uh, all right, and that's spelled I with K's. Peanut butter, though. Cliff Crunchberry. You oh, um, the the peanut butter Captain Crunch, Mike. Oh yeah. You're the only other person that I've known that's that's preferred that because everybody says that it's it doesn't taste right. But then oh, Reese's oh, no, that's went, way better. Yeah. Okay. Thank it's you. It's got a profile. It's got an actual profile. Everything else is just sugar on, like corn. Well, yeah, and and people say, oh, but you know, cr- uh, crunch berries or whatever. If you're gonna have a bear, uh, you know, a fruit, in in you know those same same Hulk sized air quotes, go with fruity pebbles over crunch berries, ten out of ten. But even then, I would go with uh, what are they called? The chocolate crunch berries. Cocoa pebbles. Cocoa supremacy. pebbles. Yeah, cocoa. I was pebbles. just about to say cocoa pebbles supremacy. Like <laughs> even before you said that. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, Mike, thank you. The peanut butter ones are the best version of Captain Crunch and the crunch berries aren't even the best execution of that flavor profile. Like, like Evan said, it's just sugar. It just tastes like sugar. The little, you know, ridged pillows or whatever they are, the, the, the actual crunches, those are just sugar. So all right. I drink my tangerine IPA. I'm drinking a raspberry lime, truly hard seltzer. Because I'm truly a party animal. Are those good? Uh, yes, I like them. They're, you know what they're great for? They are great if, well, yes, they're great if you're working outside in the yard and you just, you know, want to take a little bit of the edge off because they're what? Uh, they're five percent alcohol and they are, they, they are super smooth like drinking. 
you got to have a, a muscle relaxant if you're mowing the lawn for an hour. Yeah, you got... that's a long mow right there. Oh, dude, Mike, you want to come over and help me with my yards? Because it takes me about three hours to do my front and backyard. Yeah, yeah, I live in Washington. We have yards. Even if you don't, even if you didn't mean for grass to grow there, it won't grow there. <laughs> mine's I have a, mine's just I have a lot of edges, and I have to do a lot of edging and all that nonsense. So, mm. uh, so, yeah. so th- this digression has been brought to you by uh, Captain Crunch and Truly, and now back to the wide receivers. So uh, we've gone through strategy. So uh, Mike, kind of t- we we've talked talked touched on it a little bit uh let's go through our top fives here and and i have a feeling much like running backs they're going to be mostly the same um but we'll see where the order varies and uh mike if you don't mind sir we'll go ahead we'll start with you uh, with your top five uh wide receivers going into this season so number five uh or top five number one receiver undoubtedly deandre hopkins then Devonte adams at two Michael Thomas at three, Mike Evans at four, and Julio Jones at five. Ooh, Mike Evans top five. All right. So we'll we'll um we'll let we'll get Evans get mine and then we'll we'll talk about it. Um. So uh, Evan, uh, Mike said that uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I think he said you'd have to be a literal idiot to have anybody else's wide receiver one. So, um, Challenge accepted. Who are your top five wide receivers? Number five, Juju smith Shushu. No, that's number, so hard for me to enter. <laughs> number four, Tyreek Hill. Uh, number three, Julio. Number two, DeAndre the Giant. Number one, Devontae Adams family. Wow, Devontae Adams, number one. So you say that Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver and you're an idiot. That's what you're saying, right? I like a high floor when I uh, draft a first rounder. And I think uh, Aaron Rodgers is slightly to more than slightly less likely to get injured than uh, Houston's quarterback. So you like a high floor because you're a stupid person and you're going to have to lay down when you forget how to walk is what you're saying, correct? Fair enough. Fair enough. All yeah. right. So here's my I like top metaphor. Five. I did. I, the metaphor works. <laughs> here's my top five. And I've already figured out our flexion points here. Number five, Tyreek. And this is a nickname I'm trying out for him. Tyreek, human garbage. You shouldn't be on a football field. Hill. Do you guys think that'll track? I, I, I think no. Oh, okay. Uh, Julio Jones, Michael Thomas at three, Devontae Adams at two, and DeAndre Nuke Hopkins at one. So I'm going to start with Mike, because I think Mike has the sauciest take here, followed by Evan having the second sauciest take. So Mike's got a good profile. What was that? My take has a good flavor profile. It has a great, it's, it's, it has nice umami. Good it's taste nice, sauce. <laughs> Mike Evans at number four. Are you playing in a league where you get extra points for the guy sharing a name with you? Is that what has him <laughs> so high? Well, then or I got to get him up then, too. Yeah, because I was going to say, you've got Mike Evans. That's a double whammy there. You got you guys, are. if this is auction, Mike and Evan will be going after Mr. Mike Evans here. So, Mike, what what about uh, Mike Evans put him in your, your top five? Uh, top four, really, ahead of Julio Jones. Yeah, I, I it's it's directly correlated with Jameis Winston and Bruce Arians. 
Fair the enough. Arians, Arians loves the deep ball. Uh, Jameis Winston is going to love to throw to Mike Evans on the deep ball. And whenever, wherever Bruce Arians is gone, uh, I, I don't know. I'd have to look at exactly where these wide receivers finish, like T.Y. Hilton in that one year uh, that Arians was there. And then as he went into over to Arizona, Larry Fitzgerald and those kind of players, but uh, exactly where they finished. But Mike Evans, still in his prime, long distance guy. It, it, I, I just I just see it just working very well. Okay. Okay. So that that's enough to vault him ahead of even like an established guy like Julio Jones for you? That's that's I mean, I respect the take and I, I can't fault you for it. It's just it it's just very uh ballsy to me. I you know, the thing with Julio Jones is is the touchdowns. And yes, he had what was it, nine touchdowns last year, but I I think that's a fluke. I, I don't I don't see that happening because it's never happened for him. So uh I yeah, I, I see a, a total regression back to his normal mean of like four four to five touchdowns. And I see Mike Evans spike in touchdowns and a spike in receptions. So it's close. Uh, if you want to have Julio Jones at four, Mike Evans at five or whatever, fine. I don't I, I don't really care. It's, to me, it's splitting hairs. But uh, I just see at the end of the year, Mike Evans is going to have more points than Julio Jones. All right. Fair enough. I mean, I, like I said, I respect the take and, and with the – addition of Bruce Arians and, and hopefully the maturity of, 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 of uh, Jameis uh, crab legs himself. I can't really, I can't fault you for that one. So um, Evan, now you have to defend yourself. And this is the greatest part about being a host is I don't have to defend myself. If you guys, ha- if you guys ask me a question, I can just not respond and then edit it out of the podcast. It's great. So uh, Evan, you have Juju top five, um, which I, guess i have to quibble with because i have him number six but my real thing is uh michael thomas outside of the top five um is that doubting michael thomas is that just you have six guys that you like up top and and mathematically they couldn't all fit in there uh what had you dumping michael thomas out of the top five because he's like a he's a a a, a any ppr machine um so so what had you uh bumping him out of the top five it's a little bit of both. I definitely have a crowd down there. I have uh, Michael Thomas at 50, Odell Beckham at 49, and Juju at 52. And then the next is Keenan Allen for like 44. Uh, I don't trust Drew Brees. His arm uh, on the tape looked weird in the last five or six, I can't remember, games of last year. He's, he's, I think he might, court, great quarterbacks hit that point like Brett Favre and Peyton Manning, where they just fall off a cliff. And I can't, I can't discount that when I'm analyzing uh, Drew Brees. And so that's the only reason why. Well, you know what? Also, you know, I like to have food. I like good food. And if I'm hungry, I'll go to a good restaurant. I'll go out of my way. I'll do the work to find a good restaurant. But if I'm not that hungry and I just need a meal, I won't. And Michael Thomas just got paid $20 million a year. He is full. And I'm wondering if maybe he's not going to want to do the work to find that that restaurant to feed him targets in 2019. Meanwhile, Juju's got the floor. I mean, Antonio Brown, he was a top 12 receiver and Antonio Brown left. What do you want? I'm done. 
You're done here. All right. Evan Evan dropped the mic. You said <laughs> Evan did the both teams play hard. God bless and good night. There will be no more questions. I'm you, out. What, what, what is it with these these wide these top wide receivers and double names? Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, Julio Jones. <laughs> you, you can't trust a man with two names. I yeah, you can't. Uh, yeah. So I, I what yeah. Um maybe maybe the, the top five receivers are gonna be Diggs, Cooks, Edelman, and Galladay. No. I don't want that to happen, so I'm gonna say no. Okay. I reject your premise, sir. Uh, I, I, I'll have to, I have to go with your lead on this one. Yeah. So um, premise, I'm still marveling at that high floor. I want to lie down metaphor. <laughs> that was, that, that was, that was good. Yeah. Cause high floor, you just want to lay down and, and not have to worry about it. So, um, so um, my top five, um, they're perfect. That's how it's going to end up. So there's no quibbles there. There's no discussions. Um, so moving Tyree on kill in your top five. Yeah. He's number five. Okay. Um, so moving on to, uh, wide receiver sleeper, uh, what we've done in these is we've each picked a guy that we're going to kind of plant our flag in, uh, as our sleeper player at the position. Um, and then the other two guys go, no, you're an idiot. That's so stupid. Um, you know, don't you know that he's a bad football player, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, Mike, we'll start with you. Um, who is your, uh, wide receiver sleeper for this, for this season? I'm I'm really big on this guy, uh, even though his the offense probably isn't going to be a very motivating factor. But then again, that sort of inflates his sleeping ability. And I'm talking about Jacksonville Jaguar wide receiver D.D. Westbrook. King D.D.D. Now pick and, somebody I can disagree with you about. What? Sorry. What was that, Evan? You. I said, pick somebody I can disagree with you about. Come on. <laughs> you know the drill. Geronimo Allison. Disagree. <laughs> How about, uh, let's see. Disagree. Uh, David Moore. Disagree. Who? There you go. <laughs> David Moore. DJ Moore? David Moore. He plays for the Seahawks. Everybody thinks he's going to be a sleeper, but they forget that the Seahawks throw the ball like four times a game. Did you mispronounce it, DK Metcalf? Uh, uh, Mike. So um, tell us more about Mr. Sleeper Man. I think a couple things. Number one is the Jaguars are going to need someone to stand out as a number one receiver. And just based on what he's sort of been doing over the last couple of years, and last season he caught 66 balls for 717 yards and five touchdowns with just junk at quarterback. Now, I'm not saying Nick Foles is a savior by any means, but if you're going to have a quarterback and you have to choose between Foles and Bortles, uh, I'm, I'm probably going to lean a little bit towards Foles because at least the guys won a Super Bowl. Uh, so I, I can see those numbers even improving even more, uh, maybe in the range of 75 to 80 receptions, 900 yards, 950 yards, and six to seven touchdowns. So if if you're sort of hitting in that area, you're looking at a borderline uh, two, wide receiver two, but definitely a wide receiver three production that you can like easily put in your flex spot and feel good about it almost every week. And also, not only that, but you can get them at such a great value. I mean, almost towards the end of your draft, no one's really looking at the – the wide receivers at, in Jacksonville. 
because a they're really not a name to to point to to say oh okay that's the guy that, that there's the name right there um also everybody knows that pretty much jacksonville is going to be handing the ball off to whoever's running the ball uh Harmstead or or fournette or whoever's carrying the rock um they're definitely a running team so Though with those two reasons, um, you're looking at getting a, a, at least a wide receiver three production for maybe a wide receiver five price to to that end. So you've got me a little messed up, Mike, because about a month ago, you're you come on 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 the Football Absurdity podcast uh, with uh, Jeff, Mike, and Evan, um, and you go, you know who I like in Jacksonville? It's Mark Easley, and you convince weak-willed and weak-brained Jeff that Marquise <laughs> Lee is going to be the lead guy in Jacksonville. And now you're going to come back around to that same moron who has no, you know, firewall for absorbing other people's opinions. And now you're going to tell me that I have to believe in D.D. Westbrook instead of Marquise Lee. Is that what you're telling me? I would definitely lean more towards D.D. Westbrook than Marquise Lee. Uh, the draft, the what, what you're referring to, and I, and I totally get it, was I drafted Marquise Lee in, in that experts league that uh, had Michael Fabiano in it and Andy Burns. And I'm, I'm the one that walked away with, with uh, Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes. So, yeah, you guys can, like, go away now. Um, King, look yeah. at this guy. La-dee-da. King of the castle. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I dra- that that was the reason. I, I think that Marquise Lee and Didi Westbrook will be both fighting for that number one spot. But I... If I'm gonna go in with somebody, I'm 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 going all in with Westbrook. All righty, fair enough. Evan, you got anything to say about that? I think a key thing to note is that in between a month ago and now, Marquise Lee has come back kind of hobbled. We yeah. didn't know how he was gonna come back. And he came back, eh, they say ahead of schedule, but he's still limping. So when you see that in action, it's, 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 it means a lot more than when you're just speculating, which we were doing a month ago. All right. Yes, absolutely. Cool. So what I'm saying is forgive yourself, Jeff. No. Yes, my bro- Extenuating circumstances. I deleted all Marquise Lee touts that I've done, and I now have always been a D.D. Westbrook truther. Um... All right, so uh, Evan, who is your sleeper wide receiver? The issue with auctions is that if you have a sleeper in snake draft, he's not going to go top six rounds. You can get him with one of those meaningless seven through 15 round picks. But all it takes in auction is one other owner to feel the same about your sleeper wide receiver as you do, and that person's going for a sixth or fifth round value. So Tyler Boyd is out. Uh, Christian Kirk is out. There's always going to be two owners that that want him that propel them into that fifteen to twenty dollar range if uh, if he's hot. And again, a wide receiver receiver two will fall, but I'm going with guys who who it's not likely that two owners will want them. Mike Williams is out. Dante Pettis. There's going to be at least two people who love Dante Pettis. So I have to go down a bit to the people I've not seen more than one owner like or are so low, like twenty like 30th through 36th, that people will have their uh, rosters filled and won't, won't want to compete for him. And the one that I'm seeing go again and again for far below his value is Cortland Sutton on Denver, especially now that it's looking more and more likely that Joe Flacco will 
play more games than, than speculated because Drew Locke seems horrible. Uh, Cortland Sutton started nine games last year, and he finished with 704 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, it seems to be the reason why he's getting pushed down. Emmanuel Sanders is broke, y'all. Hear it here. I called the um, A.J. Green injury. I'm calling this one. He's been injured 18 times in his nine seasons in the NFL. And if you take him out, Cortland Sutton's the wide receiver one. And also, Deshaun Hamilton, who seems to be getting over his hamstring thing, is, is, is skilled enough to uh, prevent Cortland Sutton from getting double coverage. Right now, and it may change if Cortland Sutton becomes a darling, and therefore more, more owners want to get him, but right now Cortland Sutton's going for under $5, and I think he's going to return you uh, uh, sixth-round value, 15 to $20. Yeah, and to your point, he was um, number three last year in rookie receiving yards um, behind Ridley and DJ Moore. And think about how many how many rounds ahead or how many auction dollars more Ridley and DJ Moore are going. He was ahead of Christian Kirk even. And I know different quarterback, different system, what have you. But Ridley, Moore are returning to the same situation. And Sutton has an upgraded situation. And he's going ages later, just ages um, so, so I like that pick, um, with, with the addition of Joe Flacco bombing it out to Sutton cause Sutton's more the deep ball guy between him and Hamilton. Uh, Mike, what do you think about, uh, that Cortland, Cortland Sutton selection? Yeah. When you're looking at, at that team and you're seeing Deshaun Hamilton, who I don't think is ready yet. And then you, uh, also have Cortland Sutton and then Emmanuel Sanders, who we, we really don't know his health meter. And then the guy is always hurt anyway. So whether he's back by week one or by, you know, week two or whatever, he's going to get he's pretty much going to get hurt anyway. So you're there's no real steady, steady wide receiver there that is outside of Cortland Sutton. And. I, I really like Flacco's ability to get someone, uh, especially with, with uh, Sutton, his uh, uh, capability. So those two are going to match really well. Uh, and I agree, as probably you guys can already figure out, I agree that Sutton is going to be the number one guy and therefore should be the the person that, the wide receiver that you should be looking at to, to get. I like it. What do you think, Jeff? Sorry, I was on mute. <laughs> I said some very eloquent things, just the most eloquent things that you've ever said. But then I got bonked on the head and I forgot exactly what they were. So we're just going to go ahead and move on. Um, just, just know that I agree with you, Mike. And I said some wonderful things, just absolutely jammed to the gills with stats and just jaw dropping facts. But then I forgot all of them. So uh, we're the, just going to, there is gonna... the, the French mustard ice cream that's out there now. It, 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 do you think that that's edible? Well, anything's edible. I mean, let's be clear here. Anything can be eaten. So, uh, sure. I'll say, I'll, I'll try, I'll try mustard ice cream. I would too. Absolutely. Evan, would you try mustard ice cream? Yeah, I'll do anything. I am like, I will eat a meal that I don't like and sit there eating every bite till it's done just because I want to figure out exactly why I don't like it. 
Well, that's just absurd. That's a little that that's the real football absurdity. <laughs> uh, 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 we're laughing. I call uh, myself a garbage disposal. I, I have some friends like that where it's just like, dude, calm down. Nobody's gonna take it from you. It's okay. You can. You don't have to do uh, keep eating all that stuff. So, um, all right. So my sleeper, it's the same guy I've been talking about for since January. It's Curtis Samuel. Um, he's starting to bump up the boards, and I, I'm starting to get really annoyed because everybody's latching onto the bandwagon. But I got it on wax back in January um, that he would be the big breakout this year for the um, uh, the Panthers. Um, here's the simplest thing, simplest way to put it. Um, once uh, Devin Funches, once the Panthers realize that Devin Funches has a chronic case of Devin Funches, um, uh, Curtis Samuel w- played on a 954-yard pace. Um, he only had three. He was only on a three-touchdown pace, but that's kind of that that vagaries of touchdowns because he did have eight touchdowns on the year. So it just had, those happen to be front-loaded instead of back-loaded. So if you give him the pace yardage he had without um, Devin Funches there and you give him his eight touchdowns, um, he would have turned in 11 fantasy points per game, which was wide receiver 16 in, in uh, 2018. Um, so that's kind of why I believe in Curtis Samuel, and I also believe in every uh, – you know, the new favorite statistics, which is air yards market share. He had a 32% market share of the air yards, which means 32% of the yards that the ball traveled when Cam Newton threw it, he was on the receiving end of that pass. That was a higher percentage than Amari Cooper and Juju Smith-Schuster in the same time frame, and higher than DJ Moore, who only had a 22% market share. So I just kind of see all these things lining up for Curtis Samuel to have this this huge breakout season. And... Um, as of when I wrote the, the the sleeper breakout and bust article, he was going as wide receiver 39 off the board. And I would say he's a lock for top 24 this year, as long as he continues to do what he did last year. So he's my he's my sleeper, even though he's everybody's sleeper. I'm still going to go with it because, you know what? I was there first. Did, did, did what? You, you, did, you said what now? Funches is the sleeper? Is that what you said? Yes. I said Devin Funches is the sleeper. No. I said Curtis Samuel is a sleeper and Devin Funches. I, I put the words human garbage fire in my article about Cur- uh, Curtis Samuel when referring to Devin Funches. So, yes, Devin Funches is my sleeper. Yeah, I just heard Devin Funches and went in this, like, I don't know, weird atmosphere. Fugue, fugue state. everything out. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's uh, it's Curtis Samuel. For oh, me. okay. Yeah. I like it. So moving on, fellas, uh, last thing. So to recap, uh, sleeper for Mike, D.D. Westbrook, sleeper for Evan, Cortland Sutton, sleeper for me, Curtis Samuel, even though he's not really a sleeper anymore. So uh, I'll go secondary here and I'll say uh, Robbie Anderson. Um, That's a good one, too. Yeah, for the Jets. He's a, he's a good guy to, to go after. So now the busts, the guys you don't want to have on your roster, the guys – who you look around and you ask, am I the only smart person playing fantasy football this year? Because everybody seems to want this guy but me. So, Evan, who is your wide receiver bust? How much time do you have? Um, 12 seconds. How about, how, about this, how about this guy, Nine. Antonio Brown? Woo! Hey, now. How about That's that? I, let me tell you a story stole. about a guy named Amari Cooper. That's a spicy meatball. You know, how about that? Uh, 
you know, you used uh, contrapositive. Amari Cooper leaves Oakland and becomes a stud. Therefore, anyone going to Oakland will fail. It's simple logic, people. Get out. What do you think Antonio Brown's going to be the next what? Amari Cooper? I don't even understand it. Why is he going in the top 12? He said, don't draft him anywhere for anything ever. Tyler Lockett, Seahawks. The dude's got no skill set to support a wide receiver one. He had one of the best skill position players in terms of route running, not in terms of fantasy or skills, uh, but uh, and and that was drawing coverage for him. Now you have DK Metcalf running in a straight line down the field. You don't need to double cover that. Just put your top CB on it. Just drop the safety back. Tyler Lockett, bust. Um, scrolling down here. Yeah, those are the two going in the top 20 that I'm just like, why, why, why? Okay, so Evan, I really appreciate your you taking two guys and your second guy being my guy. So <laughs> it, it's 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 uh, for me it's Tyler Lockett because um, they don't pass and they're 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 a run first team. Brian Schottenheimer has his dumb thing, his rule of I think 53, where if you have combined 53 rush attempts and receptions, you'll win the game, which is why he runs the ball so much. Um, they ran the ball more more than the other team last year, and um, like you said, there's more weapons there. There's not only DK Metcalf. Um, there is also um, I like Gary Jennings, who was a late round pick for them. He's kind of a, a shifty little slot receiver guy. Um, so I I just don't think th- there's not a lot of targets and there's not a lot to go around to Tyler Lockett. And uh, he had kind of an unsustainable touchdown pace as well. So um, that's that's my choice for uh, for the uh, the bust. I'm going to agree with Evan there. Mike. Who is your sleeper or your bust? Well, you I screwed it up. All my guys, you know. Um, so I'm like frantically trying to search for who who I need to pick here, and you know, I I, I think we all agree with Antonio Brown being the bust because uh, he was going to be my bust for sure. Um, for all the reasons why Evan talked about it. So I I think I think if anybody who's listening to the show right now or when it comes out and whatever. Don't don't draft Antonio Brown. Stay away from that dude. Uh, but since I have to pick one and I'm frantically picking one, I'm gonna go with Kenny Galladay. Ooh. Again, I, a spicy meatball. Yeah. Uh, he had a great year last year. Uh, Seventy receptions, a uh, thousand yards, and five touchdowns. But if you you sort of look at where his big gains came from. You're you're going to see that they they were in spurts, and so it was basically he he would have a really good game, and then like he he just fall off the cliff. And a lot of those receptions came from when Golden Tate was out for the year. So Golden Tate is not out for the year now. So you're going to expect more progression towards Golden Tate, and he's going to get more receptions Whoa. taken taken Golden- away. Golden Tate's volume. Hold on, good, good, Golden Tate's on the Giants. Do did you mean uh, oh, Marvin no, Jones? Yeah. Marvin Jones. You know, I've been doing that <laughs> all summer. All summer, I've been doing that. I don't know why, but yeah. Uh, I, so Marvin yeah. Jones. Um, I have but, some hamstrings. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lots cams and hamstrings. So and then also on top of that. I think that the Lions are going to run the ball more 
they're going to get carry on johnson involved uh who who can also catch the ball as we found out uh last year and so with the with a regression more towards the run and kenny galladay getting less volume i i don't i think the hype is is a little too much and i expect a solid year from galladay i just I just expect it to not be as good or nearly as good as I think people think it will be. All right. Fair enough. Uh, that's, that's as good a pick as any, I would have to say. I can't say that I agree with it, but it's as good a pick as any. And, and, and that's pretty, uh, pretty well reasoned. Evan, what do you think? I want to believe in son to Galladay. But yeah, I also want to believe in a logical universe. So, well said, Mike. If there's uh, one thing we know, it's that the universe uh, trends towards uh, uh, um, randomness and disorder. And just like that, so does fantasy football. It trends towards randomness and disorder. Don't draft so, Antonio Brown. So don't don't draft Antonio Brown. Don't draft Kenny Galladay. Don't draft um, who did I say? Oh, Tyler Lockett. And don't draft. I'll throw another one on the pile. Don't draft Corey Davis. Don't at me. All right. So I think that puts the wide receiver edition of our uh, uh, positional previews to bed. Uh, next week, we'll be back with tight ends. Uh, just a quick uh, reminder. Um, I thought we were taking tight ends and throwing that out the window. No, baby. I love tight ends. No, just I tight ends sticks on. I could talk tight ends all day long. All day long. You want to talk tight ends. You want to talk uh, Ian Thomas. You want to talk... Uh, uh, Mike Gesicki. You want to talk? Uh, I know you want to talk, Mike Gesicki. I, I I know that. Love Michael Gesicki, but there'll be more on that next week. So, all right. So, um, we're gonna head out here, but before, just want to remind you guys, uh, please, uh, playdraft.com uh, slash absurdity promo code absurdity gets you a free three dollar entry into a tournament on deposit. Um, it helps us out. Uh, if you want to help us out, also we got Patreon. Um, if you really want to help us out the podcast specifically, cause we're 40 episodes in and we have two reviews, um, one's from my wife, <laughs> please. If you've gotten this far, uh, go to Apple music, please rate us, please leave us a review. Somehow that helps better than rating us. Um, we would greatly appreciate it because it does help with the metrics. It does help us be found, uh, by other people. Um, again, beer sheets, they're up there. They're ready. You can start inputting them. Um, Kevin ran a batch of, of, I think he said 50,000 requests today for beer sheets. So we're rocking, we're rolling. It's August. It's fantasy football season. If you want to reach out to us, you can do so on Twitter, um, or Facebook. I'm Jeff Crisco, K R I S K O on Twitter. Uh, Mike's RFL red zone on Twitter. And Evan is Evan Hoovler on Facebook. The website is F ball absurdity. If you subscribe to there, you will not miss a single article we put out. Um, because everything goes straight to the feed, and, and that way you won't miss a single thing. Um, up now, we're finishing up our player profiles. Our sleeper breakouts and busts are done, and we're starting to change. We're starting to shift gears here into regular season mode, which is only, uh, I mean, Hall of Fame game was yesterday. We're, we're kicking into it. So um, if, is there any, anything else you guys want to talk about before we head out? Uh Yeah. You kind of glossed over this. What did your wife rate us? Uh, one star. She said... At least she's fair. 
she said, this dumb idiot thinks that he's so funny and I have to hear him, overhear him recording his podcast every week. No, it was five stars. Do you know why? Because I went on her phone and did it for her. I went on her phone and did it for her. So she doesn't even know what she put in. Um, so, um, yeah, so one last thing. Forgot to forgot to pimp the most important thing. This is on me. I would the like draft um, kit. small, medium size too, please. The 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 draft kit. Um, we're we're gonna start releasing a draft kit. It's over 400 pages. Um, I think we've landed on 10 bucks for the draft kit. Um, it's gonna be all of our articles into one convenient PDF that you can uh, download, read, um, keep with you. Uh, Evan's gonna drop a um, an auction values. Uh, chart into there so that you can print that out and have that with you at your draft uh if you have that and you have your beer sheet that's literally all you need for whatever type of draft you're going to have in redraft one of those two pages will help you out so uh please uh go check us out and um that draft kit will be dropping whatever next week monday monday we're gonna drop monday with all of our player profiles and everything and and um uh half of player profile. sorry oh i was just saying fonzie wolf Ponzi rules. All right, we suck at outro, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna hit the stop button, okay?